Heavenly Father, we're thankful to Thee for the opportunity to be in this place together. We thank Thee, Father, that we also can address Thee as our Father and know that Thou dost hear us and know also, Lord, that Thou wilt speak to us through all the years of our lives if we but listen and it will go well with us and we will have no regrets if we always follow Thy leading and Thy guidance. Bless us now as we talk together about the autumn of life, if we can use that term, and pray, Lord, that we might find it to be something that is beautiful, not to be dreaded, something that needs to be planned for in a measure, but not to the point, Father, where we trust in those plans rather than in Thee. And so be with us and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read uh, a very familiar scripture that's found in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And then Solomon goes all the way down through and then it says, he says, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he hath set the world in their the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end and so forth. The the verse that talks about every time being beautiful is the one that I want us to dwell on for a little bit before we get into our really open discussion, I hope. Um, I hope that you have been blessed like like I have, and I know many of you have spoken, we have spoken together about it, how that if we chose a time in which to live, knowing all the time that is past in our lives, we would choose right now. I would, uh, and, and I believe most of the believers would also, because every time has its beauty, also has its problems, but its beauty. And the problem is, very frequently, we look at the things that are not beautiful as we get older, and they become overbearing in our lives and mask the beauty that is really there. What I'd like to do with the Lord's help and yours is talk about several phases of what some people call the golden years. Um, And I'm simply going to put provocative questions up there that should evoke discussions. But it's going to cover three major areas. Can everybody see the board? Or the, not the board, the screen. Can't see it through the board is my point. We're going to talk about pre-retirement years. When ought we to start thinking about these years? Uh, The planning ahead that some of you have done, some of us have not done. I didn't plan ahead a lot. My wife would attest to that, I'm sure. And those years that Ecclesiastes 13 talks about, meaning when we become dependent upon others. Have we thought about those things? What have we done about those things? What do we plan to do about those things? We haven't made plans yet. And so, and of course, the best is yet to come after even those years that Ecclesiastes 13 talks about are past, and that will be obvious in a little bit. You probably know what I'm alluding to. So, One of the things that happens more quickly than we thought is the fact that we have an empty nest syndrome. Those of us that have had children now all of a sudden have a house that is too big. And we think, and we did, we did. Leon and I sold our big old house where we raised our children for 18 plus years. And then all of a sudden we found out that our family hadn't gotten smaller. Pretty soon little packages were coming along with the, with the children 
and we built a bigger house only to have two-thirds of our family leave in six weeks. And that was a crushing <laughs> blow. But uh, we want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, having families later in life is going to be the experience of most people. Uh, I married, uh, Leona keeps, she doesn't anymore, but she used to tease me that I, I had to get my mother to sign for me so I could get married because I wasn't 21 years old. I was 21 a month later after our wedding, however, and she, I married an older woman. She was 22 on our wedding day. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and so in, in, in my day and in most of your times, uh, brothers and sisters married earlier, had families earlier, and we became grandparents earlier also. Now we're finding families that are uh, marrying closer to 30, uh, be- becoming families, young people marrying at about 30. And some of uh, the younger ones are going to be grandparents when they're 60, 65, 70 years old. And that will make a difference, very probably, and I'll let you worry about that at the moment. How did you deal with, some of you had large families also, how did you deal with this empty nest syndrome? How did it, how did it grip you? How did you feel about it? Uh, what kinds of things became problematical, perhaps, when the nest was empty? Okay. It didn't come at once. Uh, Sister Katie had a large family. And, and so, thank God, it happened gradually. Okay. Uh, how about for some of you, for any of you, was that really a very startling discovery all of a sudden that brought certain problems of its own or not? No. A lot of people are, no? Okay. Point one, point two. Financial planning. When did you begin? What considerations are or were important to your spouse and your family, which continued to get larger, not smaller? When did you really first start planning for the time that after you have finished your full-time employment? When, when did that start in your mind, a consideration? Not soon enough with me, I might suggest. Although we are far from destitute and ha- having a wonderful retirement. But, you know, I didn't stay on any one job long enough to really... Like the Germans, maybe it isn't a German expression, but uh, something like the Rolling Stone gathers no moss. I never stopped rolling. If I had a job that wasn't exciting or challenging to me, I had to go someplace else. No matter what the retirement package was, I could not stay in a job that didn't challenge me. So I didn't start early enough probably to think about that. How about some of the rest of you? When did you start thinking about retirement? I'm never retiring. (laughs) And, you know, and she's, she's past 39 already. Never retired. Anybody else? How about you, Sister Erna? Um, well, I suppose it wasn't more, more of a retirement thought at that time, but there, it was a, a tax break. So we took that and put some money away. Okay. Actually, the reason I uh, chose to speak with her, her to you, is that uh, if, if you want to see a lovely greenhouse in a self-supporting uh, way of, of getting old, not uh, having hard work to do it, but they planned a long time ahead and didn't, just didn't call it that. They were already planning for how we're going to sustain ourselves because they didn't like the system that, 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 that the world offered, if I can use, and they would never use it, but I might, the rat race that the rest of the world was in. They wanted a quiet, peaceful way of earning a living, and they still have it, and it's flourishing, and they're probably not thinking about retiring either, excepting that they really, I think, have it very nice. When summer is over, uh, they, they can relax. They work very hard, springtime and summer. One way of planning. How about the rest of you? Any of you? Lynn, Lynn is still horsing around. <laughs> She's <laughs> okay. Right. 
Okay. Exactly. Uh, I, I didn't mean to be facetious about it. Lynn raises miniature horses and sells them and buys them. Yes, Brother Ted? I stayed at the same place for 34 and a half years, on the same job for 34 and a half years. And it was lovely because I was able never have to, in, in I think of all the 34 and a half years, I don't think I, I worked total of 1,000 hours of overtime. And all my weekends were home. And that was a blessing. And can, God continued that way, and he has provided even through my helping. Very good. Excellent. He stayed at one place. My brother was at the bank 40 how many years? Uh, and it, it proves that different things are uh, interesting to different people, doesn't it? Okay. Um, nurturing the marriage. I, so I don't know how many of you were in the marriage uh, forum before lunch. If you weren't, get a tape. It was, it was great. It was wonderful. When do we, as parents that have children that are growing up, when do we have time to nurture our personal relationship with each other? And how do we do that? Yes. You need to make time. Leona had a husband who also had a lot of time uh, for other people. And every now and then I got a message on my huge calendar that was a desktop thing where you had lots of room to write in. And if there was a blank left, she would simply write her name. And I knew it was time to start leaving some blocks of time for just the two of us. That's extremely important. I believe one of the things that is going to make all the difference in the world in how we enjoy Retired life is how much we invested in getting closer to each other in the years when we were pulling the wagon together, as, as we say. And uh, I confess that it needed to be her prodding much of the time that caused us to take some time just together. And that's not being selfish at all. That's an investment in the future. It really is. What did some of you do to, to nurture that marriage? And I know many of you did. Had to. Or what have you done? What are you doing, some of you younger ones, yet, in nurturing the marriage? Nobody wants to speak. Pardon me? What do, yes, sister. Sister said that, and, and she's still a young uh, w wife and mother, uh, they used to take an anniversary time together while they were raising their children, and there was always family around to take care of the children, and now that stretched out to a whole week. Uh, what do you do in between? There are 52 weeks in the year. <laughs> okay, good, good, uh, good. Excellent. Good. You take time away because... There really is going to be a hole in your life. If your whole life has centered around children, there will be a huge hole left that is going to be difficult, if not impossible, to fill. And uh, very good parents wanting to do the best for their children uh, fall into that trap. They really do. Anybody else want to say anything about this nurturing thing? Let's... Let's describe the word nurturing. What does it mean? Just a kiss and a hug occasionally? Okay. To nurture something is to help it grow. Any other uh, thoughts about nurturing? 
Is that something, and is that something that's a, a, a once-in-a-year shot? No. And that's not what she implied at all. Ted? Often, uh, what happens as we learn to appreciate each other more as to what God has done in our lives in bringing us together. And for us, God had to force it upon us four years ago. And we've spent some blessed four four years together that we haven't had until then. Thanks, Brother Ted. You say that from experience. Indeed. Okay. Uh, Health issues. I said to somebody this morning that if I had to do it all over again, I would have taken better care of my body when I was young. I didn't. I abused it. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. But I lifted too much. I ate too much. I carried around too much weight. And all of a sudden, as I got older, I realized I may have to live in this temple a while longer. I better take care of my health. How about yourselves? When did, it, when did you first become conscious that perhaps you needed to treat your own body and, and mind also better? I don't expect the day or the hour to come up, but... Yes. I will. Okay, sister says we don't think about it until we've hurt something or damaged something. How about our emotional health? What can we do to foster good emotional health as we're uh, growing older and uh, children are not a, a direct responsibility anymore? How can we foster better emotional help, health? Nobody has problems with it? Yes. Okay. By keeping busy, meaning... Okay. Doing the things, some things you like to do, some of the things you have to do, learn to enjoy doing them rather than see them as drudgery? Okay? Yes? Okay? 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 Bolster each other's emotional well-being. That's good. Were you in the, in the forum that the... Uh, no, get a tape, Brother Ted. That really talks about that. Really, very clearly. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Become positive thinkers. Is that easy to do? No. When is it hardest to do? To concentrate on the lovely, pure, all of what Paul said. Okay. When your health may be suffering, that is very hard to do. David? Yes, when you're tired and having burned the candle, so to speak, of energy at both ends. And I've done that many times in my life and on a couple of occasions have fallen flat on my face emotionally. Sure, sure. What, is, what are some of the signs that we get when we're approaching that uh, climax, as it were? Okay, we're, we're irritable. It's, it's, it's easy to become irritated at things and at people. That's an excellent one. Well, that's a, pro- that's a product. of That's a result of it. Yes. Yes. We're overreacting. Simple things become big things because we make them that in our minds. Okay, when all of a sudden we, 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 we begin to isolate ourselves from others. Ted? Yeah, right. We begin to 
to jump at conclusions quickly and overreacting, as Sister Carol said. Those are all symptoms of that. So then, what do we do to stop it in time? Okay, maybe stop what we're doing and focus on, 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 on something else. I had a doctor once, in fact, when I learned to know now... You know you're old when you have your doctor's son as your doctor and your, your regular doctor's gone already. But I can remember what, what he said to me once. And it was a symptom, a sign of, of, of burnout. He said, you know what? You're going to end up uh, beginning to despise the very thing that you have given your life to. And he told me the story how that when he got out of medical school, he... Uh, was energetic, a young, energy, intelligent man, was on a presidential heart commission and a few other things, and, and, and he worked day and night. And he said, I, I believe that I could only be a, doc, a good doctor 11 months out of the year, but he said that 12th month I spent going to all kinds of conventions that had everything to do with medicine again. And he said, one day, my, his father, I'm going to speak in his first person, he said, my father called me home. And called me into the study and shut the door. And he said, past experience taught me that when that happened, I was going to get an earful from my dad. And he said, his name was Robert too. And he said, Robert, sit down, his father said. And he said, he walked up to the chair in which I was sitting. And he must have been a tall man also because uh, Dr. Westlake was. And he said, he took his big finger and he shook it in my face. And he said, Robert E. Westlake God gave those of us who live by grace two commandments to live by. Number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like to the first, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, Robert, as you obviously hate yourself at this time in your life, you couldn't possibly love anybody. I used to think it was wrong to take time away from those things that we had committed our lives to and and. And, and whether that's mothering, fathering, whatever, I'm not suggesting forsake your children and go. But there, need, there needs to be times when we, along with the help of loving family that the sister said she had surrounding her in those times, can, can, can take over while we go away and become refreshed. Remember the scripture that talks about what the aged women should do for the younger women what are some of the things you older mothers ought to do for the younger ones? Paraphrase it. What does the scripture say you should do? <laughs> Teach them how to love their husbands. And we're not always lovely. Lovable. Is that right? What else? To be keepers at home. Teach them to love their children. And actually what, it, what it's suggesting is... I believe is that the older mothers should go to the younger mothers who are frazzled and, 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 and ready to uh, give it up or whatever and say, look, uh, go shopping today or go to the park or whatever. I'm going to stay here uh, with your little ones for a while. I really believe that. I think that's what the Lord, uh, through the apostle, had in mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Any surprises, the things you hadn't thought about when you focused on retirement, things that amazed you when you finally sat down and, and began to plan, besides maybe uh, will, will the retirement dollars stretch far enough? Any surprises that you had at all? Yes. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up, Sister Ruth. Sister Ruth said, my biggest surprise was I thought I was going to have more time. You know what? I've never been busier in my whole life than I am right now. And Leona said not long ago, you know, when did you ever have time to work? Meaning gainfully employed. Yeah. So retirement is, and it is just for some that choose to sit home on the front porch and rock till the rocker wears out. But it isn't for most people who have been uh, interested in others and other things. Great. Well, we're going to get to that. You're, you're, have you seen my notes? No, okay. All right.
So much for the planning stage. Finally, the day arrives. <laughs> I remember exactly the day. Uh, describe uh, how you felt that day, honestly. How, Sister Margaret, how did you feel when you walked out of the classroom as a retired teacher? Well, I'm going to ask. <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> Because I know you were a dedicated teacher. Well, I really was. And I, I, I could never dream of the day that I would really give it all up and stay home. That was never in my plan that I could think of. But I think the government helped me out an awful lot. <laughs> because they really changed the way things were done in teaching the last few years. And I got to the point where I, I really resented almost in a way the things that we had to do, which we didn't have to do before. And I was so glad that I could actually give it up and start working for the Lord. Yeah, yeah, great. I didn't miss work one day. Part of it was also because things changed so much that you didn't feel you were really contributing anything. Well, I had hoped that when she would retire, that things would slow down a little bit. They haven't. Most of, most of my life, I work always on Saturdays. Wednesday was my day off. And everything happened on, with the children and grandchildren. It happened mostly on Saturday and Sunday. Sunday I was in the church with them, but Saturday I always missed it, whatever goes on. When I retired and first Saturday I didn't have to go to work, I felt good, and I'm still feeling good, and I'm very thankful. Good. Great. You finally had time to do some things that you wanted to do for a long time. So that was a plus. Um, I, I'm looking for someone who, who, who will honestly evaluate that day and, and maybe have a few regrets about it. Anybody at all? Yes. Leona raises her hand. No, I, I want it from your lips. say that the last time I renewed my nursing license was very, not, didn't renew it was very difficult for me. Why? I can answer that. Because I still would love to do it every day if I possibly could. I never had a case or a job that I didn't thoroughly enjoy. I can testify for more than 50 years that that is true. Uh, let me tell you how that's fulfilled, however. Uh, six weeks ago, I went to the Ford garage to have my car serviced. And I saw a little frail mother walk in with a baby in two bat. Well, she actually was only carrying one. She was only strong enough to carry one. And one of the fellows that I knew there walked out and brought the other twin in. And I said, I said, Murphy... Uh, th this girl brings her baby to She can't find anybody to watch her babies. I made it. Well, no, it wasn't a mistake. But I, I, I went home and I said, honey, would you believe? And within two hours, she called that mother at the Ford garage. Had never seen her before. Called her at the Ford garage. You know, I I'd be willing to help you with your babies a couple mornings a week. And this mother thought that she had a new lease on life. And the neat thing is... Uh, I've learned so much from those little babies because, you see, while she feeds one, I feed the other. And we have just had a grand time with those babies. And so there are ways that, that we can fill some of those needs that are going to be there probably as long as, as, as Leona lives. Okay. Uh, what adjustments were most difficult did, did, you, did any of you find some of those adjustments difficult? Margaret, Sister Margaret did. Like what, for example? Okay. Sister Margaret missed relationships with the children as a teacher and probably with her colleagues, teaching colleagues. 
Okay, if you're retired and the husband is not, and you are dependent, as, as Lynn is now with her site, you can get very lonely, and I, I appreciate that. Okay? Uh, spending time with your spouse every day, all day. Uh, did that create any issues of any kind? And, and here probably the women, uh, I, I hope, are bold enough to speak because we wouldn't recognize it if we saw it, you know, when it comes to being at home. Tell us about it. Sisters, tell it. Yes. Okay. Sister Mary says that her husband, uh, Brother Novak, had some real difficulties because uh, he he just uh, almost insisted that she has opportunity to talk to him all day long. He must have forgotten that she did something while he was away at work. And those things she still has to do. Uh, I, I'm sure that that is not unique, that that happens in a lot of instances where the husband uh, is 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 following around, hoping to help, and is actually hindering. Uh, any any anyone else that would like to add something to that? Yes, Sister Margaret. <laughs> yes, that's that's right. You know, in 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 uh, in industry, we'd say we do a few dry runs before we deliver, right? Yeah, uh, you you gotta ease into the thing. Making my point exactly, in most of these things. It, it happens to us very abruptly only because we haven't anticipated it and did some work already in getting ready for that particular day when uh, we, we, we are retired. Uh, how did you deal with them, <laughs> Sister Mary? What did you finally tell dear Brother Novak? <clears throat> okay. <laughs> That's good. Right. Okay. Sister Mary says that, that she couldn't be the company that Brother Novak had in, in the factory. And I might suggest that his comrades in the factory couldn't cook supper either. You had to do that. So... Yeah, well, perhaps there are ways that he can keep in contact with those people. I do, by doing some consulting work and some teaching and things like that. Brother Johnny does the same thing, so you can stay uh, in touch. The nurses can do that same thing as well. Uh, how did you arrange each other's space, meaning uh, so that you could do the things you needed to do and and the husband or wife could also do some things that they did themselves. I think it's important that that space is provided. Uh, you know, I say very humbly that I, 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 I don't think that many have a nicer marriage than Leona and me. I thank God for that. And it's surely her fault, not mine. But I think one of the largest reasons for that is that I never expected her not to be a nurse or never nurse again. She didn't expect me to be something I wasn't either. And I think you, you complement each other by allowing each other also to be their own person and do their own thing and be involved in some things that uh, is no interest of, of the other spouse at all. I think that's terribly, terribly important. And if, if, if there is any one thing that I think has, has helped us uh, over the years, it has been exactly that. I knew she needed to put her whites on and go care for somebody. She never did it full time after our first baby was born. And now she's sitting beside her mother as a grandmother herself. A mother with married children. Yeah, so are we. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I think that's so important that... Uh, that there is space given to each person to be themselves. Never, however, at the expense of the other. I, I, I want to make that very, very plain.
because I know some families where he goes with the boys and she may wonder uh, when he's coming home. And I'm talking about believers. And I believe that's dangerous and it's wrong in the eyes of God as well. Uh, I think we've kind of answered our question. There really can be too much togetherness. Uh, the symptoms of that are getting under each other's feet, as, as the cliche might say. And, and, and the remedies we've, we've already talked about, haven't we? Uh, how many of you do volunteer work? A lot of you do. Oh, I think that's great. Uh, may I ask what kind? Meals on Wheels. That's a great one. The dining room at the retirement center. You sisters have a built-in uh, right-at-home place to be able to do exactly that. And I know while our mother was still there, uh, Leona's, and Leona's mom and mine, uh, many, many times people looked in on them and did very special things for them. That caring atmosphere is beautiful there. Yes, Brother Dick. Volunteering for a children's hospital. Anybody else something uh, like that or maybe more unique? Okay. Tutoring children in Braille in the blind school. Special talent needed. Special gift. Um, are there detriments to volunteering? Can, can you think of any detriments that, that volunteering might uh, bring about? Something detrimental, something on the minus side. Yes. Okay, overextending oneself. I can think of an, of, of another one. Uh, the mother, by the way, that we've been helping out with the twins. Uh, even two days, two mornings a week isn't enough. So now in the village where she works, she has found a, a, a daycare center to take care of both twins. And I'm telling you, we are going to go through withdrawal. <laughs> and becoming attached, you know, when that, that would probably be difficult for me. I become too attached with the people that I might volunteer for, and it would hurt a lot. Um, Okay, uh, anything else that we want to talk about before we get into some more sobering things? Yes. Sister Ruth. I've, I've enjoyed my part-time work. It, it keeps the brain going, uh, in, and it provides a service. I'm working with student teachers from out of two universities as well as with a uh, consulting company. But also I found I thought I'd be able to just give more time to the church, and frankly, as an elder, I end up becoming overabsorbed in that, and it becomes, I think if I had to do that full-time, it would drive not only me, but also my wife nuts. And, and, I, and so I'm finding relief from being able to think about other things sometimes and not have that kind of stress all the time. Thank you, Brother John. Brother Steve? I just have to talk about talk about my wife. She's taking care of her children's children. And naturally, she's older. She's not the same age. But they each have two, three, four. And I think she don't know how to say no, like she does to her. Grandma has her own daycare center, right? <laughs> yes. Well, but notice it says keeps her busy and happy. She obviously enjoys doing it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that maybe Brother Steve, may, but, but I can see Brother Steve's point of view, too. It may be that he's concerned that they may be wearing Grandma out, too. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. Yes, that, 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 that is so. Yes, sister. When, like them, your spouse feels it's a burden, it's too much, and you and the other part enjoys it. Ah, you should have been at the forum this morning. Were you? This, no. You really ought to get the tape uh, where, where they talked about uh, reading each other's minds 
or, or, or thinking we ought to be able to read each other's mind and then get upset when, in fact, we haven't read it right. That was something that the young couple, talk, middle-aged couple, talked about this morning. Uh, let's answer Sister Erna's question. What should they do when, for whatever reason, the husband thinks that too much time is spent with the children? What should you do about that, Brother Dan? Dick? Oh, there you are. <laughs> tell, tell, tell the wife not to cook the next day, but take her out for supper. Yes. Aha. Ouch. <laughs> well, Sister, Sister Martha said, uh, Brother Steve is also working 12 hours, and, and, and he even has a health problem, you know. She's concerned about him. You know, very frankly, I, I, th- I think a lot of it is concern for each other. But maybe a little bit is a bit of envy and, and feeling neglected or whatever, when in fact we are not. Uh, <laughs> neglected, that is. <laughs> um, uh, Brother Dick said to ta- take her out. You know, I, my physique has proven to the whole world that I have one of the best gourmet cooks in, in, in the world. I fought the Battle of the Bulge since I first married her. I fought it, and, and, and it's interesting. I would like to do that more often, Brother Dick. And on rare, rare occasions, she will consent. Now, I know, and I, I preface my remarks by saying, you know, I know it's not going to be as good as yours. I know, and go through all of that, and so we go out. And then after we're all done, she says, let me see that check. <laughs> Do you, yeah, right, do you know how many people I could have fed for this money? <laughs> so you can't win that battle with some of these European girls. Oh, I know, and I say that in the beginning. I don't expect it to be. But, but to get her away from, from the stove, you know, <laughs> that's neat. Okay, some more sobering things. And, you know, unless we are all as fortunate as my parents and Leona's parents, we need to think about the things that we're, we're, we're talking about here. Uh, my father took five seconds to die. He fell off the chair and he was dead when he hit the floor. He had an aortic aneurysm. So I never saw my father. Well, I saw my father suffer only once. Uh, my dad had a heart attack about a year before he died. And I went home that summer and I found him on the garage roof tarring a three-car garage. And for the first time, <laughs> Brother Steve, She's pointing at you, Brother Steve. <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I, I, I scolded my father. And I really regretted it. He came down off the garage roof and I said, Papa, you know you are not supposed to do work like that. And my father rarely cried in public. It was, for my father's generation, for a man to cry in public was taboo. He refused to cry at his parents' funeral and four men carried him off from the grave after they pa- after he passed out. I mean, that's how. But he began to cry. And he said, don't you know me well enough that if I can't work, I'm dead anyhow? So I never scolded him again. So never saw my dad suffer. Uh, my mother just naturally stopped, uh, heart stopped beating over the course of maybe two weeks at the age of 87. She died in her own bed. Uh, Leona's mom died 30 minutes before the surgeon was going to do surgery on her, and Grandpa Lom had a stroke, and uh, the day later he was dead. We don't really know. We have not experienced what it's like for long-term suffering or long-term care. Now, I'd like to know how you feel about some of these things, because I have made some decisions and refused to make some decisions on this uh, next to the last uh, uh, slide that we're looking at. How about long-term care insurance? How do you feel about that? And what I mean by that is spending a lot of money over a lot of years to ensure the fact that your financial needs will be met no matter how long you're in a nursing home. I, I like, and, and I'm not suggesting one or the other way is, 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 is right or wrong. How do you feel about that? Well, it's a long way to commute, from, and you can't drive. Uh, we have had other children say that, too. But I want you to know that's easier said than done as well. 
Much easier. And I realize that. And Leon and I have said the last thing we want to do is live with, live with our children in the last years of our lives for their sake. But let's not get into personal things. But how do you feel about it generally? How many of you do I get into? Uh, maybe I shouldn't ask. And if you don't want to raise your hand, say that's none of your business. How many of you really have long-term health insurance? Neither do I. <laughs> and it's interesting. Not a hand went up. And, and Leon and I actually purchased it. And this is how these people, these insurance carriers think. Because I had an irregular heartbeat, they sent my uh, application back along with a sub, the substantial check I sent them uh, and, and said uh, because of an irregular heartbeat, uh, they, they turned me down. And, of course, they accepted her. Uh, she, every, every, every time Leona goes to the doctor, he tells her what great shape he's in, she's in, you know. And he is, too, because uh, Medicare is paying for it. But the fact is, she uh, gets always a good, clean bill of health. And then she says, well, then why do I hurt? Or why is this? Or why is that? That's not been true with me. But when I went to talk to my doctor about it, I said, you know what? Uh, I, I got this thing back. And they, have, they said to me, the day after you get a pacemaker, we'll insure you. Not before. And the doctor said, why would you want long-term health insurance? I said, well, because, you know, I'm getting into the years when I can still barely afford it. Uh, and, and by the time I retire, it's going to be a burden to pay. He said, do you realize that less than 15% of the entire population ends up in a nursing home? He said, the people that benefit are the insurance companies. And he talked me out of not only mine after I got the pacemaker, but hers as well. Yes, Sister Martha. I don't either. Yeah. We, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I guess we talked about that, accepting the living will. How many do you know what a living will is? A living will is where you decide what's going to happen to you if you're in an accident or, or become ill or comatose or whatever, not somebody else. Uh, I, I believe in a living will uh, and I don't ever want to be resuscitated, you know, when, when I'm done, I'm done. I don't want anybody to bring me back. I'm ready to go. Uh, but it's something that everyone should do. Leon and I have been going to do that for how many years? And still in the a drawer at home uh, is, is the paperwork. I, <laughs> I believe that it's, it's, it's wrong to place that burden on our children. I think we need to make those kinds of decisions, not our children. Yes. Let me give you this. One of the little older sisters at our church, they were telling the minister, one of the younger ministers, oh, if something happens, don't, don't put me on a machine. And, and the younger minister says, sister, you need to have that written, written down because I can't be in charge of that. You have a family. You have everybody else. So if you're thinking, you, you should write it down. Steve and I do have a living will. I think all of us should, and, and it's interesting. Uh, my mother never had one, but she said to both George and myself and her doctor that you know she wanted to die in her bed. And when uh, the last day someone uh, called the doctor about something, he said, "Well, you see, I won't burden you to bring her to the hospital because once she gets there, they'll do with her whatever they wish." You know, and. Uh, and, and, in fact, whatever they are, yeah. 
Right. 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 And they, and they are obligated by law and their hypocritic, hypocritic oath, not hypocritic oath, hypocritic oath to do exactly that. Okay. Sickness. Uh, have, you, have you thought about sickness and or death of your spouse? What discussions have you had with your loved ones concerning these matters? Do you or your family find the subject difficult? How do you approach it? Have you really talked about that? We really haven't, uh, Leona and I. Uh, we, we, we're hoping that the Lord would be gracious and both of us can go at the same moment. Ca- car accident, uh, being in a, a tower somewhere, you know, um, in New York City, which we stay away from, and not because of the danger, but because of New York City. Johnny's neighbor. <laughs> yes, Sister Irene, let me get over there. I lost my husband nine years ago almost, and don't wait to talk to your spouse. Do it now. Okay, good advice. Uh, When my dad had his heart attack, he and mom talked about that because I think he realized that he was going to succeed her uh, to Wapner's, the undertaker. No, precede her. Excuse me, that she would succeed him. Uh, And he suggested that when that happens, she sell the house and they had an apartment next door on Carpenter Road. Some of you know where they lived and go into the retirement center. In fact, she was the second person to have an apartment in the retirement center. Uh, Sister Flora Brum was the first one and mom was the second. So they did talk about those things together. And I think we should, too. And, I, and David's standing back there, and he didn't like to talk about these things, I know. But uh, it, it has been since my brother had his second heart attack that I have seriously asked myself where I think I ought to be buried. And, and, and the first answer is, well, of course, in Syracuse. That's where I've lived more than I lived in Mansfield. I'm not sure about that at all. All of a sudden, it becomes somewhat of an important thing for me to be buried among my kin. I, I, I don't know. This comes as a surprise to Leona. Uh, so you heard it first on this program. <laughs> and, and uh, well, and, and you know, I, I, I have a thing about funerals. I, I think they're completely overdone. And, and uh, I have said, and maybe I have to put it in writing, but I don't know that it'll make a difference. Even my father said when he heard me say it once, he said, nobody will allow you to do that. You know, uh, the first person who finds me, uh, call the digger Odell or whoever the undertaker is, get a box that fits, nail the top down and put me away. And <laughs> it's bad for your family. David? Well, yeah, and that's what Sister Irene was going to say. Yes? Another question. What do you think about cremation? I don't. <laughs> Cremation. Uh, whether we return to dust over the course of 50 years or 15 minutes, I don't think it matters to God at all. Okay. Brother Eckhart says it was not a choice in the Old Testament. See, I thank you, brother. I've learned something today. Not that I would want to be cremated at all, because I know how they do it. It's only half a job anyhow, and they grind up what's left. My point. My my point exactly. Once I'm gone, once I'm gone, uh, what's left is not Bob Freund. Well, John, were you at the forum this morning? Get a tape. <laughs> It'll help you. <laughs> It'll help you. Okay. Um, any? <laughs> you, 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 you can have it your way and it won't make any difference, right? <laughs> uh, Sister Irene, I'll repeat it.
Okay? Okay? Sister Irene's husband was cremated and the family planted a tree and it has become somewhat of a memorial for them. That's good. I have no problem with that. I love trees. No, 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 no. No, no. Uh, yeah, place, place where I live, but not uh, otherwise. But anyway, <laughs> and let's not go there, Lynn. Um, do we want to say anything more about 3.2? Uh, maybe we've said enough about it. Wow, it's almost 2.30. Uh, making a will and distribution of assets. Uh, I think that's extremely important. Um, I know of very decent families who cease to be both decent and a family after they argued who gets what when uh, the matriarch or patriarch of the family or both are gone. Brother Ted? Right. Well, sometimes that's true. Yeah, they need to understand it as well. But I think um, I just want to share with you something. I know a brother who, who had many children. And while it was not difficult for them to disperse the, uh, the, the cash equitably as, as mother and father, what about all the things that are in the house and the barn and the shed and whatever? And he came up with a great idea. And he simply said that the oldest child shall choose something and in succession the rest and then you just keep rotating and rotating and rotating until everything is out of the house, the shed and the barn. I thought that was a great idea. Then it's not, well, dad preferred me because he gave me this or, or, or whatever. I thought that was really neat. Um, is the Lord's work or furthering the Lord's work in your will also? Some are shaking their heads yes. I think it should be. Uh, in, in, in a measure, at least, whatever the Lord might lay it on, on your heart. Um, if you have, if all of your children are believing children, it's probably less important, perhaps. But it is a good idea. It really is. Uh, spiritual preparation. How can we assist the process of, be, of personally now, becoming more detached uh, from this world and eager to leave it when the time comes. Uh, do we, you know, I, I ask myself the question, uh, is it really, really easy for me to walk away from everything and, and, and never come back, meaning leave it all here behind? And we will quickly say, yes, it is. Well, what choice, what choice have we got? We have no choice but where our heart is. I'm talking about our heart feeling about it. I actually know of a sister who so terribly struggled with dying because she couldn't leave the assets she had on this earth. To the extent that she ended up in a hospital room with two beds with another sister in the other bed, and her carryings on caused the other sister to ask to be moved. Now, that's extreme, but that's true. I know that as, as, as a matter of fact. Yes, sister. Okay. Yeah. Sister talks about her mother always wanted a, a, a house living in Yugoslavia. 
and she and her and and uh, her husband were able to finally buy her a house and she was thrilled and very shortly thereafter became ill and lost interest in it actually i think the lord helps us become detached from the things of this world there i can honestly say that there are no temporal things that my heart is going to find hard to leave but it's going to be tough to leave family I, I, I was given an opportunity to think that over as, as a young father. And I remember being wheeled down into that sterile room on a gurney. And if someone would have said to me, you know, are you eager to go? Are you ready to go? The answer was no, I'm not. I'm not eager to leave my family, my wife and children. Now my children are grown and they have children and they are families of their own. Uh, I'm not eager to leave my helpmate of 50 some years. Uh, I hope that we could go together as 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 we, we we reminisce about once in a while. But I think that that if we are spiritually minded and that's what the young people said, this middle aged couple said this morning was that that when they realized that that uh, marriage was to make both of them holier before God, that's when their marriage really became something much more meaningful that it was not just to satisfy each other, but to be holier people together in, in the eyes of God. I thought that was profound. Uh, and, and I think that's the way we prepare ourselves, by being holier uh, before God, uh, with his help, of course. And then I believe even the close ties that we have with loved ones are quite easily transferred, not lost, but transferred to the kingdom of God. Um. Funeral arrangements, believe it or not. I've got that on there somewhere. Uh, should that be left to those that we leave behind? And I think the answer is no. Uh, but I'm not, I haven't gotten past that, answering that question yet. And I think that's going to evoke some discussion before next camp. Uh, how detailed should those arrangements be? <laughs> I know some people who have... The hymns picked out, the scripture picked out, the, the preacher, brother, picked out, the coffin picked out, <laughs> the, weather they <laughs> the weather they can't pick out. <laughs> um, everything, pre yeah, Brother Steve, how do you feel about that? Oh my. <laughs> Brother Steve said he picked the day of April 15th. So he didn't have to pay the taxes, but he had to pay them anyway. He's still here, right? That's, that's, thanks. <laughs> um, I don't think those uh, need to be detailed arrangements, but they need to be arrangements that children don't have to make. If I pick out my box, I'm going to pick one that's going to cost a lot less money they're going to be buried in the ground anyway, so maybe that's something that, that I, I would want to do. Uh, I have some, some brothers that I would hope to uh, be involved maybe in, in having a final prayer over what remains of this old man. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, I think to become so detailed about it almost makes being buried a fetish. Uh, you know, the suit, the whole nine yards. Please, uh, you're not going to see my shoes anyway. Give them to somebody, you know. Don't don't bury a good pair of shoes. That's where I'm coming from, okay? And I won't say more than that. I'll embarrass my family. But I just think that it's completely overdone. Uh, we talk about our weddings being overdone, and most of them are, but so are our funerals, personally. I think that's so. Um, let me see. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment. 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on corrupt incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the last word. The word of God still has the last word. Thank you for coming and participating. I enjoyed being a part of it.